we continually have become like the world system, even in the way we do church. And we know it's wrong. Getting back to Jesus and his model with the disciples and the great commandment of love and the great commission of go you therefore make disciples, that is every day walking, talking, listening to God, moving in and out of people wherever your sphere of influence is, bringing them to faith in Christ, and then being willing to disciple them one-to-one and showing them how to do the same should be the model. Polls report that on average only three out of every 100 church members in the U.S. ever share their faith. Statistics point to the fact that North America is the only continent in the world where Christianity is in a decline as a percentage of the population. According to the Association of Religion Data Archives, back in 2010, this survey, which is, this is old information, guys, the percentage of total population claiming adherence to Christian religious group in the U.S. declined from 50.2% in 2000 to 48.8% in 2010. North America has the third largest block of unbelievers in the world, only after China and India. Are you shocked by these stats? Are you surprised by these stats? Nations once considered by American Christians to be primary mission fields are now sending missionaries to us. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we have Steve Copeland, who is no stranger to these microphones here at Bot Radio Network. Neither is our other guest, Chris Hodges, no stranger to these microphones. Both have a place on the airwaves here at Bot Radio Network in Memphis. Chris Hodges, you hear every afternoon around 5 o'clock for Abiding Above Ministries. He's been doing that for a while now. Over 10 years. Oh, it's been 10 years? Yes. <laughs> you gave me an award. Oh, Todd, Todd <laughs> gave me an award. We're giving awards left and right because I think this guy got an award too, didn't you, Steve? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Steve is uh, the CEO of Life Choices of Memphis, and they do an incredible job. And every Monday at 3 o'clock, he rotates that half hour for Life in the 901 with Stacy Mays and does an incredible job sharing the work that they do to be a voice for the unborn, to support their moms that find themselves pregnant. Steve, Chris, welcome to the show. It's good to be here. I opened up with some uh, staggering stats, kind of heartbreaking stats for those that would want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ heard and to follow that command to go and make disciples. Yeah, it's interesting. Recently, both David Barton and George Barna Uh, in separate research, found that only 6% of Americans believe the Bible is the absolute truth. So those statistics that you cited don't surprise me. Now, I grew up in New York, the New York metropolitan area. There were 252 people in my high school graduating class in 1976, and maybe two or three of them were born-again believers. So uh, for me, I've been aware uh, of uh, the nation uh, falling deep into darkness for quite some time. Uh, obviously, those who've been in places where there are lots of church buildings and congregations may have been insulated from that. But the reality is this nation is a paganized nation and is a ripe for the gospel. And we need to go to every corner of this nation and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gentlemen, which one of these is more difficult, to get people outside the church interested in Jesus or to get people inside the church interested in those outside to share Jesus with them. Chris? I would say if you talk to any pastor in America, no matter what denomination they belong to, they would say both. It's hard to get people to come and continue to come 
and then it's hard uh, to get people who come and join and begin to serve. A lot of times it's hard for them to continue to serve. And then as far as getting the lost into uh, the local church, it's extremely hard because they feel intimidated. They feel like they're going to be judged. Whether they will be judged or not, uh, I can't say. But the truth is, they feel they're going to be judged, and part of that is because they still are without Christ, and the gospel is an offense. Yeah, I would agree that it's difficult for both. Those who, uh, in these days, again, the darkness has descended, the God of this age has blinded people's minds, so it's hard to reach people with the gospel. But it's astonishing how few will share the gospel. I mean, this is front and center, I guess, in my estimation, this is one of the evidences of whether you're really born again and really following the Lord. I mean, if this is not on your heart, I would do a heart check and go before the Lord. It's just like if I have a stronghold in my life of sin of some nature, I need to deal with it. Let's talk about the attractional consumer model of a church, not to be confused with the seeker-sensitive church model compared to a missional model of the church. And I came across this little graph here. Of course, we're on radio and doing video, too. Maybe we can put this up on the video for those viewers. But to talk about the attractional church, we evangelize our outreach by marketing to people to get them to come to us. We try to produce events and worship gatherings that are attractive to a demographic. Consumer church, a church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. People come to the church to be fed, to have their needs met through quality programs, and to have professionals teach their children about God. Compared to the definition here I found of the missional church, our evangelism is relational. We invest in people and society living out their faith in Christ. We find ways to go and live like Christ with people in their regular, everyday activities. Living like Christ is distinctly different, but not irrelevant comment on these particular models, the attractional consumer-based church to the missional church, Chris? Yes, when you look back uh, at church history uh, in the later years, in modern times, what you have found is the church continues to gradually go the way of a local business or a big box store. Exactly what you just described. What can we do to get people to our church, and what can we do to meet their needs that they will find themselves wanting to come back? And in a sense, you get um, – basically, you get controlled instead of by the Word and by the Holy Spirit. You begin to be controlled, and pastors begin to be fixated on how do I get people to come? How do I get people to stay? After the Industrial Revolution and now with technology, what you've described uh, in the lead-in here, we continually have become like the world system even in the way we do church. And we know it's wrong. Getting back to – Jesus and his model with the disciples and the great commandment of love and the great commission of go you therefore make disciples. That is every day walking, talking, listening to God, moving in and out of people wherever your sphere of influence is, bringing them to faith in Christ, and then being willing to disciple them one-to-one and showing them how to do the same should be the model. And that's not to mention, Steve, how COVID has changed the dynamic in the past, say, 12 months on how the church meets? Well, I'm more dramatic and radical about the church than really almost anyone I know. For me, the Lord spoke years ago, the church in America will be in business when the church is out of business. 
The church is Christ's body. It's the body of Christ. It's the bride. The church is the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. It's not an organization. It's those who have been born again to a living hope, who've been united together with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and now are seated together with him in the heavenly places in Christ. And if that has happened in your life, then there is a passion in your heart to reach those who do not have that great blessing. So I think the church in America is largely apostate, largely Laodicean, largely disconnected from the living head. If indeed we see a more missional model and say like the book of Acts, does that necessarily mean that God intended as a prescriptive for all churches throughout the ages in all cultural settings? Yeah, it says that uh, the people continued after Pentecost, the people continued to go to the temple to worship. But then it said from house to house. And what's happened is going to a local church as far as a building has become the end all until the next Sunday. And what Steve just described has what has happened to our churches basically since Constantine and the Roman Empire. That's what's happened to us, exactly what he said. We're attending. We have pastors who are rightly, faithfully dividing the Word of God, especially Here in the South, especially among certain denominations, very much doing that. And we have people who faithfully attend and faithfully listen. Going back to what you said in your lead-in, why are they not coming out of the church and leading people to Christ and discipling them? It's because they have not been taught that, and it hasn't been modeled in front of them for over 100 years. Well, since we're living in a commercialistic, dominated culture, should the church adjust this method of consumer Christianity. The church is should be wedded to Jesus Christ alone and in a living way and should pay no attention to the world and its ways and be a light shining that draws people to the Lord Jesus because they see the reality. I was raised as a non-believer, and uh, it wasn't until Christ himself personally came to me that I had a passion for him. I had no interest in the church in the way Americans, it was boring, it was uninteresting. But when you see the Lord Jesus in the early church, they realized that John and Peter had been with Jesus. They were untrained, uneducated. They didn't ha- know how to do all the things right. They weren't great organizers. They were alive together, seated with him. When they prayed in Acts chapter 4, the place they were in was shaken, and the word of God multiplied. That's what we need in this country, just a, a real coming back to Jesus Christ alone, not a- any title, not any positions, not any organization, but him. And that's what happened in China under Watchmanee. That's what happened in India under Boxing. That's what happened in the Moravians with Count von Zinzendorf, where they had a 100-year prayer meeting because the Spirit of God. Years ago, one of the great leaders from the Far East, Christian leaders, came to America, and his conclusion was it's amazing what American Christians can do without the Holy Spirit. It's time to be Spirit-filled, anointed, and ready to roll, baby. Major N. Thomas said this, oil in the lamp, gas in the car. Christ and the Christian. And if you don't have that, you may not know that, but nothing's happening. It's all flesh. And you take the word flesh, drop the H, turn the word around backwards, it spells self. The three musketeers, me, myself, and I. And that is our problem. And the sad thing is we have enough money that we don't know that we're miserable and we're naked. And we're wretched, the Bible says. And you asked about COVID. Let me just say, you know, people don't understand. This is the Lord shaking America. 
This is the Lord bringing us to a place of humility. We're a proud nation, and we're a proud church in America. This shaking will continue until the church of Jesus Christ gets on its face and stops depending on the arm of the flesh and cries out to the living and true God, the one seated on the throne, and then he may pour out his spirit upon our nation. But our nation will not turn until that happens. In Mark chapter 8, after Peter's great confession of Jesus being the Christ, yes, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he must suffer many things, yes. that he will be rejected by the religious establishment, and that he will be killed, and then on the third day he will rise again, which we know that Peter confronted him with that, tried to rebuke him and say, no, Lord, that's not going to happen. But then he said, those who follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Because if you try to save your life, you will lose it. Amen. But if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you will find your life. Jesus saying that, he knew what he was doing. He was alarming the people because the imagery when he said that, they had watched criminals take the cross out of the city to the hill to be crucified. And he's talking about denying yourself, taking up your cross, that was a visual. He's saying that I'm going to die. And what he was saying was something that was going to happen in the future after he died. The truth is what he was talking about then was your co-crucifixion with Christ. Amen. Is what he was yeah. saying, Galatians 2.20. Let's talk about Mission Field USA, and there's a website, missionfieldusa.com, we want to be giving out throughout this time together, an initiative that was birthed out of prayer and a conviction to follow Christ's command to go and make disciples. What was happening in your life leading up to creating Mission Field USA? Yeah, let me just be clear that missionfieldusa.com is a website. There is no ministry, there is no organization, there is no fundraising. Uh, If God is in this, uh, God will take care of it. The burden was a number of years ago, as I was just before the Lord and try to pursue the Lord every day and, and, and take up his burdens, not my burdens, his burdens. He has a burden that the the gospel would be spread across America. And I thought I was going to take some young people on these trips, mostly to just help them, because young people need something to do, and all people need to learn how to share their faith, even if it's just putting a tract in somebody's hand. That came to sort of an end, and sometimes when the Lord gives a burden, it has to go into the ground, and, and you walk away from it. And then it just came up again in life, and... Uh, that's what we've been doing. We, we rent a 15-passenger van, and as many people as we can get in it go to an unreached part of the country, hand out tracts, share the gospel, play music, show the Jesus film, and have a wonderful time of fellowship with the Lord. Chris, you participated. Yes, I think I've been on every one so far, and uh, I go for the food. I mean, I'm sorry. I go for the spiritual encouragement. We edify one another by the Holy Spirit within us. We fellowship together, but for the most part, we work 16-hour days getting the gospel out to people by having spiritual conversations with them, by handing them a track to their hand, or by putting it simply in the door handle of a car. We're approaching 100,000. I think we're up to about 150, believe it. About 150,000. You call these travels excursions. That's that's how you title them, excursions. How do you decide where to take an excursion? You know, years ago, again, the Lord put certain parts of the country on my heart. Those are places that some of which we have gone to, the Northeast, uh, particularly New England and New York State, but also we've been to New Jersey. We uh, have plans to go to the Northwest, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, We recently went to Austin, Texas. Austin, of course, 
is a postmodern place, a lot of younger people who really have no connection with the Lord. So we had a, a very good time there. We're going to do Tallahassee. We did Jamaica with Alan West. You remember doing that yes. interview. And then uh, we'll probably do some in uh, England and France as well. But the primary focus is the United States at this point. What if someone has never done evangelism like this before, maybe a little fearful, but really would like to participate in one of the upcoming excursions? Well, I'd say at least half the people who've gone have never done this kind of thing before, and it has changed their lives. The best way is to uh, go to missionfieldusa.com and respond to the boxes there where you can send an email or whatever. I've been getting emails now from all over the country, and now I'm either sending them tracks or helping them find ways they can connect with somebody or connect with us. Or you could just email me, stevecopeland at gmail.com. Okay, you guys mentioned about Gospel Tracks being the, the source that you try to connect with those in the streets or those you engage and you come in contact with. I found this on the Internet I thought was interesting. Soon after the invention of the modern printing press in 1450s, religious literature flourished. This is especially true of the tracts used by Martin Luther and other reformers during the Protestant Reformation in the early to mid-1500s. In 1557, a young French officer wounded in the Battle of San Quentin laid weak in bed in an enemy fortress where he was imprisoned. His brother, a convert, visited him bringing a few evangelical books and tracts. The wounded officer read one of the tracts and trusted Christ as a Savior. When he was released from prison months later, the officer, Gaspard Collini, joined the Protestant movement embodied in the Huguenots in France and became one of the great spiritual leaders in the history of that country. The story continues. That same track had still more work to do. Colony's nurse received the tract from the sickbed and gave it to Lady Abbess, the superior among the nuns at the local convent. The abbess, Charlotte of Bourbon, read the tract, and she too was converted. She later renounced her vows and fled to the Netherlands. She met and married a young Hollander. She bore him six daughters, and she influenced him greatly for the cause of Christ across Europe. Her husband was William of Orange. He was what to the Netherlands George Washington was to the United States. William became a champion of liberty and of Christ in Europe, and he established the political foundations of that European country that still stand today. That was just from a piece of literature. Have you heard that story? I hadn't heard that specific story. That's amazing. Especially on my mother's side, there's a French Huguenot history, so that was very interesting to hear that. I yeah. think, Steve, that was your first introduction. Was a gospel track from Bill Bright or from Yeah, somewhere? when I was a freshman in college, I had a roommate who was Catholic. He had a Bible. I would pick it up every now and then when he wasn't in the room, but the Campus Crusade people shared the four spiritual laws with me, and that was my first exposure to the gospel. And Alan West, another guy on our trips, he's been on all the trips. He also was led to Christ through Campus Crusades track, The Four Spiritual Laws. I don't know if you've seen that video of the fellow in uh, Australia who handed out tracks. I'll send it to you. Frank Jenner, the story of all the tracks he handed out and the thousands who came to know Christ, and he never knew it. I send tracks, not only do I hand them out, but I actually send them via email to people all the time. I'll get on, like this last week I was on with Yale University. All their email addresses are there. I send them one at a time. I'll get people to respond. I had a professor who went back and forth with me all day long about the gospel. This was a lost man, clearly, based on the conversation. So any Christian can reach others for Christ. I would recommend every child of God, even if you're fearful of what we're talking about, Carry gospel tracts in your purse or in your wallet or your suit coat. Start by leaving 
those tracks underneath a lamp on a table in a waiting room somewhere and then move from there and get more bold and begin to have conversations with people about the gospel and leave them with the track. But begin by placing them places and then move on. But start. Now, you have some training time with those participating in these excursions, right, before you travel. Yeah, let me just add to what Chris said and and then answer. uh, What Chris said is exactly right. I'm an introvert by nature. I'm shy by nature. I don't want to be out in front, but woe is me if I preach not the gospel. I mean, this is the news, you know, (laughs) the only help for anybody. Yeah, we we sit around, and beforehand we have some gatherings. Uh, One of the excursions we met a couple times beforehand, but there's nothing like just getting in the mix, you know, getting on the field and the ball is snapped and you start blocking and tackling. And once you do it once and once you get that first positive or negative response, you suddenly get your juices going and you say, you know, I am doing the will of God. Byron, I don't think he sounds like an introvert. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I think he's an introvert filled by the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. <laughs> this year, 2021, you have a new list of excursions that you're prayerfully trusting God will take place. You want to go over those? Well, yeah, we did Austin, Texas a few weeks ago. Then we we added one. A brother from Tallahassee asked if we would come down there, said Tallahassee is a bit like Austin. It's sort of a postmodern. We do intend to go to the Northeast again, which will cover New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, perhaps Western New York on another one, and then Western U.S., uh, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, and the cities around there, and then hopefully one in England and France, which would be an extended excursion along the southern parts of England and the northern part of France. Typically, what type of financial commitment is in the time commitment, too, someone would make? an excursion? Well, the one to Tallahassee is just a f- several days, like five days total. The ones in the Northeast are 10 to 12 days. The one to Britain and France would be up to three weeks, potentially. And don't forget, uh, every uh, Wednesday from 10 to 2 here in Memphis, we hand out tracks. What do you do that at? We often meet in the Lowe's parking lot on Perkins in summer, and then we go from there wherever we feel there will be an opportunity. Now, recently you were down at the FedEx Forum, I believe. Yeah, the other uh, night uh, during uh, the first uh, U of M game where they came back, we handed out the COVID virus track, which is one that gets people's attention because they're thinking about this. And it starts with that. And then once you open it up on the inside, it has the gospel on the inside. Uh, so there was a team of about four or five of us. David Sitton from WCRV was there. He with was us. there. Yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> well, guys, this is really a wonderful way for our listeners not only pray for you, but also to prayerfully consider joining an excursion. So what's the next step? Well, definitely pray, ask the Lord, and uh, sometimes obedience has to be cold-blooded. You know, you just say, I'm going to do this. You know, imagine if we just had 3,000 people doing this routinely. That would be millions that could be reached every week with the gospel. We could touch the whole nation. What about follow-up for those who make a decision on the street for Christ? Do you have a way to connect with them, to help disciple them, help them to grow in their relationship with Christ? Well, let me get a track out here. This is what I give out myself. How can I get to heaven? On the back, it gives uh, directions to how to go to our website. And on our website, we have through the mail 
discipleship lessons we can do, no matter what your level of spirituality is, where you are as far as maturity, even for children age four all the way up to senior citizens, we do that through the mail with people. Number two, we also encourage people to go to Emmaus Correspondence, the website where they can also do online. It's graded online, certificates printed out online, and that's how we disciple. Yeah, the Abiding Above website has a number of messages Chris and others have given. The uh, missionfieldusa.com has right now four videos, but will have more additional places to connect to get teaching foundations of the Christian life. So, Gentlemen, we don't have much time, but we would be remiss if we did not take a moment and share the gospel on this program with somebody listening today who maybe randomly just found this program on YouTube or the radio or are listening to it on a podcast stream. Could we provide a nutshell presentation, Chris, of somebody listening right now? Would you speak directly to somebody right now that is watching, that is listening, so they can know how they can find Christ? If you're listening or watching right now and you sense yourself really wanting to know more, some things are not going right in your life, or you may say things are going so well it makes me nervous. You can know this. God will woo you by his Holy Spirit, and you'll feel these things, and you'll be searching. It's almost like having a a God-shaped vacuum inside of you, and you may find yourself trying to fill that vacuum with many things, but you still have that feeling. I want to encourage you. That feeling may seem negative, but I want to tell you that feeling is very positive because you're being wooed to the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't stop seeking. Jesus Christ loves you so much that though he was sinless, he took our sin upon him and he died out with it, paying the complete price. And I would ask you to put your childlike trust right there where God has put your sin on Jesus and ask him to come into your heart and life. You can picture Jesus on the cross right now. He's there with all of your sins. He cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God the Father turns his back on God the Son because he became your sin. Now see him say, Father, receive my spirit. See him there on the cross, his head's hanging completely down. He's dead for you. He paid your price. He took your whipping, some people say. Put your trust there, and right now, ask him to come into your heart. You can pray like this. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I put all my trust in this fact alone. Jesus Christ died for me personally. I believe that with all of my heart. I ask you now to come into my heart and save me. Thank you now for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Steve. And if you prayed that prayer just now with Chris, we invite you to go to the website, missionfieldusa.com, missionfieldusa.com. Learn more about this new relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, guys, that's all the time we have. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you so much, Byron. Thank you, Byron. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.